couple days ago, I released a podcast episode that I titled Not My Cup of Tea. And in it, I talked about how much mental freedom I've gotten as an artist from the phrase, not my cup of tea. The freedom personally, when it comes to things I'm putting out in the world, to embrace the fact that this isn't for everyone. As I'm sharing things like that, it sounds, oh man, it's so catchy. Oh, not my cup of tea. So much freedom. I don't care if anybody, I don't care if anybody likes my stuff. I'm just a creator in the right people. It's really easy for me to wax on uh, philosophically and put out these platitudes. And it, it, it's, I, here's the deal. When it comes to this podcast, I'm trying really hard to keep the gate what I allow to pass through into this podcast, I'm trying to keep my threshold on the gate very high when it comes to bullshit. And the reason is it's it's really freaking easy for this stuff to start feeling like cheesy self-help stuff, which is fine. I found a lot of value in like self-help books back in the day. But as the problem with it is, as my buddy Joel Bowers says, platitudes don't work when you're in pain. Okay, and so this is an example. It's really easy for me to go, oh man, you know, I, I'm just trusting that the right people find my work and everything I'm doing creatively isn't for everyone. And that's okay. That's great when I'm freaking in the studio recording a podcast. But when it comes to like the brass tacks of shit hitting the fan in my life, and that's when things get uh, emotionally painful for me. And I mean, on the positive side, it's the perfect situation for me to go, oh, okay, is this true? Does this work even now? And a conversation I had with very close friends of mine over cocktails two nights ago made me realize that, yes, this is still applicable even when it comes down to it in the hard times. So I want to just be transparent with you and share a story uh, about a musical situation that I've that's caused me a little bit of insecurity over the past couple of years, and some insight and clarity that I've gained through conversations with close friends that I respect. A couple nights ago, Saturday night, I'm recording this on a Monday morning. So Saturday evening, I was playing a show with friends at the depot downtown Minneapolis. And we had to load in like four hours earlier than we were having to place because of some of the, the way the stage was getting set up. So we, we loaded everything in and we had this time to kill. So my buddy Andre Rodriguez and Aaron Johnson and I decided to step over to the bar and hang out with a cocktail and just catch up. So in that conversation, we were talking about this thought of not being everybody's cup of tea. And AJ was talking about how he just embraces that in his life. As we were talking, I shared with them this story of a situation that happened to me the past couple of years. I've been kind of insecure about it, but as I've been, been embracing this thought of not being for everybody, it's given me a ton of mental oxygen. And I can honestly say that I feel confident about it right now. And it's not driving me insane anymore. 
it's no longer driving me insane. So I, we were talking and the guys had so many great points at it. I was looking around and I was like, okay, I don't have any paper on me. There is a, okay, there's a bar napkin under my cocktail. I grabbed that and I just wrote the bullet points of what we were talking about down. So right here, if you can hear this, I got a, I got the bar napkin right here. And here are the things. Here's kind of like an overflow of what we talked about in it. Uh, about two years ago, yeah, it was in the winter two years ago, I uh, went in to visit a few friends of mine that were recording a session uh, here in Northeast Minneapolis. So I went to the studio and we, I was just hanging out with them, catching up. And as they started recording, I pulled out a film camera and I took a couple photos and the artist that was there was like, oh my gosh. And we instantly, it was the first time we had met and we instantly connected. So fast forward to a few months later, because of this connection, it was so crazy that like nerding out about old vintage stuff led to him going, hey, I'm doing a run of shows. I would love for you to be a part of it and play bass. So he sent me the tunes and I hit him up before our kind of rehearsal before the run. And I said, okay, here's the deal. Your vibe of tunes is I I totally get it. You're I need a, a vintage P bass with flat wounds on it. That's gonna nail your tone. Like no effects pedals, just straight into an amp. That is the sound of the bass that you play with. But hear me out. Here's an idea that you could love or hate. I feel like there's a couple of these tunes that would be super rad to have like this ambient synth bass on. It would totally be almost outside of your style, but I feel like the amalgam of these two things could be kind of make like a really unique moment in the set. This obviously, I just throw these ideas out there, take it or leave it. If you, if you don't dig it, totally fine. I'll just play it straight down standard. He's like, oh man, no, bring the synth. Let's see what happens in rehearsal and just see how it sounds. So we did a rehearsal and he totally dug it. He was like, oh man, I would have never thought of this. I think it adds a really cool flavor to the show that we haven't had before. Totally play that on it. So I brought it out on the road, played it down. And it was one of those like, weeks out where you just like, you feel like you're just connecting. I left at the end of the, sh the run of shows going, oh man, like absolutely. I killed it. I, I nailed the parts. It was fun. We connected as humans. We connected musically. It was just one, a perfect scenario. We parted ways and all the guys were like, oh man, I'm pumped to do more of this with you. We've got some shows coming up this summer and we'll talk. Two months go by, three months go by, crickets. The summer comes around. I start seeing on social media that they're playing shows as a full band and I just never got the call. It's like, all right, you know what? That's fine. There's so many factors that go into all of this. Totally cool. I wasn't insecure about it at all. This is just how things work. So six months turns into a year. And then I start like, I, they start playing more and more shows and they have a couple different bass players playing with them. And I start thinking to myself, man, I, th I thought we connected. I thought, I thought they dug what I was doing. Uh, and then all, uh, like, I don't understand why they didn't give me a call. I started like kind of second guessing myself. And then all of a sudden I kind of heard through somebody else that one of the other musicians was kind of like maybe saying something behind my back about how, Oh man, well we're, we have this, this artist is obviously this vibe and Rob showed up with a synth bass and that totally wasn't cool because it wasn't genuine to the thing that we're trying to do with this. And I was in my mind, I'm like, man, I told you I can totally not play this. I could totally play it down exactly the vibe. I was just throwing out ideas. And so I, that just like made me, you can even hear right now. I start, this is the sound 
sound of the conversation in my voice, it just starts spiraling. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Maybe I'm a good player. Maybe I, what am I, maybe I've wasted time my whole life. Maybe I'm not good. I mean, what are these notes? What is bass? What's synth bass? What am I doing? Maybe I just don't have good taste. This is, this, this is the sound of the conversation in my head. And here's something interesting I found. When it comes down to this rumination, overthinking things, my relationship with this situation and my relationship to all situations like this, something doesn't go my way and it makes me rethink what I'm putting out into the universe. What I've realized is number one, it is simply a mirror of how I view the world. Am I viewing the world open-handed? There's plenty of opportunities. This isn't one less gig for me. There are the right gigs are out there for me that I'm a perfect fit for, or I'm, are my hands like closed? And am I thinking that having a scarcity mindset? Oh my gosh, this is what, what am I doing? And that, all that goes into it. And I, what I've realized is that my relationship to that situation was directly proportionate to my mental state and my mental health. A couple of years ago, I was going through a little bit of a funk with everything. Right now, I can honestly say I just feel open to it. And so it's not really even something I ruminate on. It just came up in conversation. So my buddy AJ had said, oh my gosh, yes, I had the same thing, which pff, this is the reason I'm doing this podcast. It, like to share these stories is because I the solidarity, man, of so many of these situations out there. AJ was saying like, I went out and flew out to do a remote week-long session. And the very first day he said he was drumming on it and they had done like a track or two and the producer left the room with like the artist or somebody else and was talking and it came out like pretty obvious that the producer was kind of knocking on AJ and almost like making fun of him a little bit and saying that like, oh, I mean, just like that he's not digging anything he's playing. So AJ in the moment, in the session has to go an entire week of playing with this person that's obvious that they are not liking any of his style choices, any of his ideas, or what he's recording. And he taught, said it was so painful. He said that the thing that got him through that week was the reminder of himself that I'm not for everybody. I can't, this isn't on me. You you flew me out here. You know my style. And if I, you're not digging what I'm playing, that's on you for hiring me in the first place. He went on to talk about, which I freaking love this. He went on to talk about how uh, he he made a decision afterwards because he had the same kind of thing. He was ruminating on it. He had all that self-talk, questioning himself. And he realized that he couldn't let that be a, a sore. He couldn't let that be an open wound forever. He had to close that up because if it just stayed there, it would just like fester in him. Uh, and he realized what for him in that situation, he found himself putting his own worth, his own creative identity in someone else's opinion of him. And he, I literally wrote this quote down. He's like, I can't put my worth in someone else's opinion of my craft. Man, I freaking love that. And then Andre was went on to talk about how he has this theory he calls stock versus sacred. If you're everybody's cup of tea and you're trying to please everybody, the only way to do that is by playing just stock basic things, th repeating things other people have done, bland vanilla. And sure, maybe there's, there's a time and a place for that stuff. But he said that can't be a central part of your creative journey. The sacred part, the sacred choice is to choose your own internal voice. Man, I was just listening to an interview with the producer, Rick Rubin, who was saying he was talking with an artist who said, well, just because, just because I like something doesn't mean it's a value or it's worth something or it's good. And 
Rick Rubin said, that's literally the only qualifier to something because you like something inherently that is its value as an artist, as a musician, as someone making things, the value and the worth of something is directly proportionate and tied to your internal voice and taste. Oh, one more thing. Andre put a qualifier out there where he said, the deal is you have to ask yourself, if you're looking backwards on a situation and you find yourself ruminating about it, you have to ask yourself, would I have done anything differently? Is there anything about what I would have done that I would change? Now, there's nothing you would have changed. You can't be bummed about that. You can't have regrets sitting with you. So anyways, it's Monday at the top of this week as I move forward. That's what I'm thinking about right now. In all things, I want to choose sacred over the stock and have the trust that what I have to say, my artistic voice is enough. Because at the end of the day, you got to just be yourself because everyone else is taken. Oh, I know. Uh, like, I know this, this shit sounds cheesy, but I, I mean, maybe there's truth in the cheesiness. Rob Morgan is an internationally touring bassist on a journey to discover what it means to live a curious life. At thecuriouspod.com, you'll find an archive of conversations reported all over the world, a map of recording locations, a weekly newsletter, and official podcast merchandise. Rob is recording a daily podcast where he's sharing insights into the creative journey and the secrets to living a curious life that he's discovered from over a decade of traveling the world with music. We here at Curious Endeavors have told him this is probably a mistake and he's an idiot to attempt it but he won't budge. So that's where we're currently at. We hope you'll enjoy.